You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. I, I don't know who the most famous person you've ever met or you know. Not that when I say you know, not that you follow on Twitter or something that you really know personally. And apart from Fallaby and myself, who else that, that you really know who's famous? I, one, one, uh, one, I remember one, one occasion I was traveling. Uh, at the airport, and I was very humbly on the people's line, uh, the economy line, going, we're going to you know, go through, I think, a security check. And when I saw my pastor's pastor, Reverend Sam Adeyemi, you know, he was on the other side. <laughs> and, you know, on the other line, uh, for the more experienced people. And he was, he was good. And then, I, I think he actually saw me. So I didn't even call out to him. He saw me, you know. And he's such a wonderful person. You know, and he literally, you know, walked across. I was struggling with my many possessions. He literally walked across to where I was, you know, and, you know, Idris, how are you? Hugged me, you know, that day. Ha! <laughs> the way I joined the queue back, I just, you know, looked around like, guys, I hope you saw Reverend Sam hugging me. <laughs> now, I hope you saw that. I didn't even really go there. He just came. He hugged me. And I felt, you know, just, just knowing somebody famous, that just, there was a way it changed. You know, I was really, and it was a... I can't forget it, okay? Um, it's interesting also how um, Adekunle, who's so gracefully shared his God experience with us this morning, had come into the building where I work last week. And, um, and then, you know, a friend had said, well, I'd like to introduce you. I said, fine, no problem. And so a friend comes into my office, Idris, will you come out? So Adekunle was in the lobby. And so I went, ah, you know, did all the, uh, huge fan, huge fan. You know, we talked, talked and all. So he's such a gracious person. And then the next day, some of the lawyers in the building came to me and said, Ah, Idris, we saw Adekule Gold waiting for you. I said, hey, you know how it is. <laughs> you know how, you know how it is. <laughs> but he helped my rep. And then, <laughs> you know, they just, so I think all the guys in my building now believe that I'm someone famous they don't know. You're just like, you know, um, and so being famous is a huge deal. And so sometimes it's not just the fact that you are famous. The fact that you know somebody famous can be a life-changing thing. Okay? Um, but the scripture we read says that through us, Jesus wants to make known the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Okay? And I, when you read scriptures like we are the light of the world, salt of the earth, uh, we prayed through that scripture earlier. Um, it's obvious that God wants us to be everywhere. He wants us to be in a lot of places. Um, one of the things I will say today is how that I believe from Scripture and my personal experience that fame is like money, a vehicle to be used in the achievement of purpose. That fame in itself is not an end. Uh, Jesus himself was famous. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew 1, 28, and immediately his fame spread throughout all the region through Galilee. You read Matthew 4, verse 24 to 25. If you just please follow me, you can write some of the scriptures down. I know there are a lot sometimes. The Bible says of Jesus, then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, 
and beyond the Jordan. And, and so, yeah, it, if you do the maths, uh, when you read John 20, 21, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so send I thee. It's very simple maths. God wants us to be famous. Let me tell the person next to you, I think you're going to be famous. I think, I think, I think you're going. I, I tell them, I, I think I'm going to be famous too. <laughs> All right. Um, but, you know, so I think, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this a bit more. God wants us to be famous. And, you know, Paul so clearly says that he wants to make known through us who he is. He wants to show people who he is. He wants people to experience us and experience God. Okay. Um, but we then look in Jesus' life. And, you know, we begin to sense that there might be genuine challenges with being famous. There might actually be genuine challenges with being famous. Uh, Jesus was famous. His treatment of fame, um, I think it's, it's fantastic learning. And it's, you would see this conflict in Jesus' life. In fact, the way I was describing it to a friend over the weekend was it was at a point almost like Jesus was trying to contain smoke in a pot. He was trying to, you know, he was trying to keep something that seemed to want to come out. And I just run through a couple of scriptures very quickly and just paint a picture. You read Mark 1.34. Mark 1.34, the Bible says, He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Uh, we read Mark 1 again, verse 43 to 45. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, this guy was uh, not a very obedient guy. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Okay? Uh, Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. Uh, you, you go down to Mark chapter 3 and verse 12, and the Bible says there again about Jesus, but he sternly warned them that they should not make, known, make him known. Uh, Mark chapter 5 and verse 43. Uh, but he commanded them strictly. Mark 5, 43. He commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to it. I, I can't understand this because on one hand, you know, Jesus' fame is spreading. God is making him famous. On the other hand, Jesus seems to be very keen on, he's telling this guy, look, don't, don't tell them. Don't tell them who, don't tell them who did it. Don't tell them who I am. Don't tell them, you know, and it continues. Uh, Mark chapter 7 and verse 36. And he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. You read through scriptures. You'll find that conflict happening in Jesus' life. And I, 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 as I prepared for this, I began to realize potentially know very clearly why Jesus had that conflict. One thing with being famous um, is the pressure that comes with it. The pressure of permanently putting on an appearance for people. Uh, the, the blurring of the 
personal and the private spaces. Um, the erosion of energy, because sometimes it does begin to look like you are constantly um, having to do things just for people. Um, sometimes you almost ask yourself if what you are doing is to please people or to please God. Uh, and so Jesus is very, it seems, you know, he, he's famous, but his emphasis is not on the fame. He refuses to be sidetracked by the fame. He clearly sees purpose. And I'll talk about you know, time and season and divine exposure very quickly. But I just wanted to say to someone here um, who God is calling to become famous that you must understand this conflict that Jesus had because it is a conflict that you must have also. Uh, otherwise, you would find that uh, fame will carry you away. Um, I don't know if you've been... Um, I, um, I don't swim very well uh, like that, uh, but Folusha doesn't swim well. And so what happens when people like Folusha go to the beach is that they tell them, it's not a pool. <laughs> don't enter inside though. Because what happens is that, you know, it starts like a joke. You know, you feel the water. You're like, ah, selfie, selfie. You know, don't I look good? Take a picture, post it. And then the voices are farther away gradually, you know. <laughs> As when we were younger, they say the water will carry you. And then what happens is just, it just takes you away. And it is, you know, it's one thing to swim in your bath. It's another thing to swim in a swimming pool. It's another thing to swim in the middle of the ocean. In the middle of the ocean, you need spiritual energy. <laughs> but with fame, it's like that. I'm, I'm coming to where you are shortly. Let me ask the person next to you again. Are you famous? Are you famous? IBK, are you famous? I know you went to Covenant University. But are you famous? <laughs> um, a couple of things. So, so when I saw this conflict in Jesus' life, um, some things became clear to me. One was the importance of hiding. And I'm not going to be very elegant in the things I say. I clearly know what I want to say, but I'll try and use the words that describe them the best. Um, one scripture kept on resonating. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These I want to be upsetting and morbid. I tell people, oh, I've gone for my, my burial has happened already. I'm like, oh, stop it. My wife goes into a slight panic. Don't, don't say that kind of thing. You know, but scripture is clear. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Uh, if you read further down in uh, Colossians chapter 3, Paul says to the church, it says, but you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So I talk about the importance of being hidden. The fact that when you get to the place where you realize that it's all about Jesus, it keeps you in a place where you can be famous and not pulled away by the fame. You know, they talk about how the donkey who, that Jesus rode upon into the city would have been slightly misguided if he thought that all the applause was because of him, you know? Because what would have happened is that the next day, the donkey would have tried to stroll into town alone 
and just realize, ah, they're not, they're not putting cloth on the ground. What's how they're not putting palm fronds anymore. So it's, it's interesting. So when you come up to sing, you know, they could think that it's just because, you know, it's my voice is unique. That's why. But, but, and then you're becoming famous. But what happens is that you have to realize that it is not about you anymore. If you were not saved yet, it's a, it's a slightly different thing. But once you get saved, the Bible speaks about the fact that our lives are now hid in Christ in God. Uh, let me tell the person next to you, it's not really about you. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not about you. I know you thought this song was about you, but it's not, it's not about you. So the principle and the importance of being hidden. So Jesus was very keen on purpose and bigger than just fame. So he was, so in fact, there was, a, 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 and I'll come there very quickly, and I'll just put all this together. He was, he was as it were, constantly trying to hide in God. Sometimes the Bible will say that he withdrew from the crowd to go to a lonely place to pray. Because when you become famous, uh, uh, there are certain things that, that happen. Everybody wants uh, your attention immediately. And, and you know, Miles Monroe says, when the purpose of a thing is not understood, that abuse is inevitable. And so the purpose of fame is not just so that when you go out, everybody says, ah, that's Oyinda. Don't you know her? It's Oyinda, Oyinda, Oyinda. And your name is on everybody's lips. Or you, and you, and I, I, I tell you this, to be recognizable, they say, even if you're an introvert, it can feel good. So what happens with the extroverted people, even before they come down from their car, they're already waving, you know, because they think people should recognize them. Awa, Folusho, Damilola, IBK. Those are extroverted people. When they just come out, they're already waving. They're looking for eye contact. Who knows me here? Who knows me? We introverts, on the other hand, when we come out, we just, hmm, you know. But yet, the fact that they, so we introverts prefer that you're hearing them whisper, that's Idris, P.I., P.I., you know. We do as if we don't, but it is a good feeling. And you know, if, you, if you're telling the truth, you know there's, Tolu, you know, that you're saying, that's Tolu, that's, <laughs> that's Tolu. It's, it's good to be recognized. You know how you feel. You know, because you're an introvert, you don't really want to make it like that. But the introverts, extroverts are shouting, shaking hands, and signing stuff, all right? But the purpose of fame is so that we can have godly influence. The purpose of fame. And so we keep that purpose in mind. So our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Jesus seems keen, very keen to, um, to favor something called divine exposure. I'll tell you what that means. So he says when you go to a party... That there's a seat of prominence. It says, do not take that seat. It says, take the seat at the back. And it says, there is a process through which promotion will come. I've once heard older people say to me, that it's very important that you do not arrive before your time. So the fact that you are in high demand does not necessarily mean that you should be highly available. You will find this out. But just the practice of humility and meekness is critical in then uh, letting God expose you at the right time. That is important. I, I know you want to be famous now. I, I know you want everybody to know you now. Or you might not want it like that, but inwardly you do want it. Okay. 
But there is something about um, letting God be the one who does it. The uh, 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 Bible says promotion does not come from the east, the west, the north, the south. It says it comes from above. Uh, and, 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 and so it's important. So you wait for it. So it, there's the option of always, you know, using underhanded methods. The Bible will speak about a gentleman called Absalom. Uh, you read, I think, in 2 Samuel 15 and verse 6, Absalom was one of David's children. The Bible says at a time, Absalom will go and stand at the gate of the city. And when people were going to go and see his father, he would call them and say, it's okay, what is the matter? He says, this piece of land, say, what did the king say? He says, oh, he says, oh, no, 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 no. If I was the one in charge. Is that what Buhari said? He said, what if I was the one in charge? I wouldn't do it like that. Oh, is that what P.I. said? Nah, nah, nah. The Bible says in verse 6, that Absalom behaved in this way towards all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the heart of the people of Israel. And I like the way the scripture says he stole. So when you steal something, it does not belong to you. So there's a use of underhanded methods. Yeah. And um, without trying to throw shade, you kind of know how you do that kind of thing. You know when you take a picture behind, beside somebody's car <laughs> and you post the blessing of the Lord makes rich. <laughs> Let me tell somebody next to you. Tell them, wait for God. <laughs> wait for God. Uh, you, you post somebody's picture or a famous person and say, this is Bay or something. It's not good. Wait for God. Let me look at the other person. I'm telling them, wait for God. <laughs> As I used to say, when I, where, where I grew up, God's time is, is the best. God, please tell me, that's a good one to tell. Tell them, God's time is the best. God's time is the best. God's time is the best. Galatians 1.10 Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. And so he, he talks about the fact that you could either wait for divine exposure through humility. The Bible says when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that God will promote you. Or you could try to become a people pleaser, seeking for the approval of human beings. But Jesus, you know, we just read that he, was, he had become famous, but the Bible would say he would often withdraw himself into the wilderness to pray. And one thing I see from Jesus' life, and it's one of the challenges thrown out today, is the fact that Jesus understood times and seasons. Jesus understood times and seasons. I was always puzzled by the scripture in John chapter 6, I think from verse 15, where scripture says that they came to make Jesus king. It says, and Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. I, I, just, I remember the early days of church, I gave that, it's a, it read through the script and I explained how, let's just say, they then said, oh, they wanted a new president in Nigeria, some something, something, a young guy, under 40, tall, dark, anointed, from Benin, all sorts of things. And they then said, okay, but they understand there's one guy, Lekki, Idris, something like that. <sighs> I might not be here next Sunday. It's just... 
but I'll be here, I'll be here. I'll come, I'll fly down from Abuja. But my point was, it was interesting how Jesus first perceived that they were about to come and make him king, make him popular, take him to a place in life where men will desire. In fact, um, a friend of mine was sharing with me over lunch this week how the devil says to him, look, why don't you, if you jump from this place now, nobody can contest with you who you are. Just do put up a show. The Bible says that Jesus declined. The Bible says that Jesus departed when he found out that they were about to come and make him king. Sometimes it would seem like he was driving people away. One time he shared, he said, look, whoever wants to, you know, part of me has to partake of my flesh. The crowds began to disperse. The guy who was in charge of the PR department in his team just said, what nonsense? What is Jesus doing? What kind of tweet is this? What is all this? How can he, you know, how can he tweet this? Delete that tweet immediately. What is all this kufive, something that he's tweeting about? Delete it immediately. What's all, what's all this? What is Jesus talking about? Why, why would he talk about flesh? We're not cannibals. Remove it. Remove it. Jesus didn't send them. If I came out and said, the rest of you that are here, why are you, why are you still here? Have you not gone? <laughs> and the disciple says, where would we go? says, you have the words of eternal life. In fact, Jesus, two occasions. One occasion when, when Peter would say, by the Spirit, you are the Son of God, the Messiah. He said, do not tell anybody until the resurrection. When they went to the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17 and verse 9, when they came down from the mountain, the Bible says, Jesus says, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So Jesus understood process and times and seasons. He knew when to be that popular or this popular. He knew when to step into limelight, if at all. Um, something I've written in my notes and I'll say now. You see, uh, I think it's was that was telling me, talk about it, I said, look, it is impossible to, you know, there's uh, who you work with matters. You know, so sometimes, I was talking about earlier, you know, sometimes you are not the famous person, but just being in the company of the famous person. Initially, when they put it on the papers, they would say uh, Beyonce, Ronaldo, and guests. Yeah? But after a while, they would then find out who you are. Just being associated with God is a promise that one day you would go to places that only God can take you. You would attend things that you know it is only by the power of God that you were here. But it is critical that you understand your times and your seasons. I, I've told you guys before, and I, and I say it, when I go out with my pastor, for example, um, so sometimes he says, oh, just please, let's go, you know, or sometimes I say, PG, I'm here, going somewhere, can I go with you? My default mode is I'm his PA. I don't even, so sometimes they say, oh, they're taking the men of God to the front. Sometimes they, sometimes they've looked at me and say, it's only the pastors that are going. I say, no problem at all. Let them go. I'm his PA. I don't tell, um, shame me, I'm pastor of Life Point. Now, PG is pastor of the bigger church. I'm a pastor, is a pastor. I don't do that because I understand my times. I'm a, I'm a small boy. I have not started yet, okay? And I'm not saying this. I'm being very honest with you. Understanding your times and your seasons um, helps you to understand what is appropriate for now and what is not appropriate. In fact, um, you understand your times and your seasons, there are certain honors that you would decline for now. 
not because the honor in itself is not good, but because you understand that uh, the purpose is more important than fame. So understanding, so, so um, I, I want to try and paint a picture for someone. How, how does this happen? How do I become famous <laughs> as I work with God? I'll talk about two or three things very quickly. There's this uh, stuff called uh, multipliers. There's a concept called multipliers. Where God, we talked about the power of a small thing some weeks ago. Where God will take the little that you have. And faithfulness is a big key. Scripture says he who is faithful in little things, that much will be handed over to him. Um, so I even ask, what are we doing with our current connections and relationships? What are you doing with the few people who you know? How do you treat the people on your streets? Uh, how do you treat the people on your, in the office, the people who sit with you? Do you treat them like, oh my goodness, you're just privileged to be breathing the same air I am breathing. Normally, I don't hang out with people like you. Are you arrogant? Are you condescending? Or are you loving and are you allowing, like Paul said in the first scripture that we read, the fragrance of Christ to be made known? The people who live next door to you, have they perceived God? Yes, they perceive your cooking or the burning of the food every now and then. That's not what we're talking about. Have they perceived God from you? The people who sit beside you in church, do they even feel like I'm sitting beside a Christian? Or do you just give them attitude from service starting? This is my space. This is where my chair starts and finishes. And you know what I'm talking about. So faithfulness is a multiplier. Okay? Faithfulness is a multiplier. Um, you know, we talked about David a couple of weeks ago. Um, something that struck me after the service was sometimes when we read David's story, when he, they bring him to Saul and say, this man wants to go and fight Goliath. Sometimes we think that that is the first time that David meets Saul. But it's not true. We think that Saul just says, oh yeah, yeah, you want to go and fight? Ah, they will kill you. But don't worry, go. No. We forget the fact that the Bible says that Saul had had incidents where he was troubled in the spirit. Like the Bible says, an evil spirit. And somebody had said, look, there's a guy who plays music. Irrelevant young chap. And the Bible says they went to call David and David will play for the king. And the evil spirit will depart. We forget the fact that David had been in the palace undercover. Understanding times and seasons. Because David could have also told him that, look, uh, you know, um, by the way, they've anointed me as king, you know. I think I'm going to be king. David could have tried while he was close by. In fact, the scripture is, uh, has incidents where David had an opportunity to use underhanded methods to become king. But he refused and preserved what God was doing. But the way David treated a small thing in his relationship with the king, I dare say. So when David showed up and said, well, I can, he says, I remember you. Oh, you, yes, I remember you. This is the guy. The person told me, this is the guy that used to play for you when you had those demonic attacks. Oh, that's the guy. Oh, okay, maybe, yeah. Ah, yeah. 
just maybe. Because sometimes we just think he just went there and says, I have a stone. I want to go and try. So just go, go. No. He had been faithful with a small thing. He had been faithful in little things. This is important for me because there's, there's, I, I sense God knocking on somebody's heart, door, life, destiny. Saying, I want to, make, I want to take you global. I want to take you international. And, but then he gives you small rehearsals, small tests. Sometimes it's just the boss you are in. Sometimes it's just the people that you live with. Sometimes when people hear that you are going to church, they are happy and sad. They are, they are happy because they hope that God will touch you. They are sad because they can't understand that you are going to church. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm talking to somebody today. Uh, integrity is a multiplier. The ability to stand for what is right, what is godly, for justice, and to say, this is the truth and I will stand by it. I will do right by God. I will honor God and I will honor people. It's a multiplier. The picture I see in my heart is the picture of people who God wants to, in various spheres, Scripture says, to make known the fragrance of who God is. I sense that God wants to make you famous. But I sense that like Jesus, you would have to deal with that conflict where you remain hidden in God, where you preserve your heart, understanding purpose and pushing purpose above everything else. I sense that like Jesus, you would have to wait for your time and for your season. You would have to recognize those times and seasons by the help of the Holy Spirit. I sense that like Jesus, you would have to be very keen on divine exposure. I know we live in a world where uh, they tell you to push yourself, you know, put your best foot forward. If you can't find your foot, get somebody else's foot. Do something. Show who you are. Don't let anybody dull your shine. You know, stuff like that. Pepe and, and all the other things. You know, do something. I, 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 there's, there's a quality of fame that I sense that God is bringing to the earth. There's a quality of fame that God is bringing to the earth. And, and someone might have a question this morning and says, but, you know, Idris, look, I have a bad reputation. I have a bad reputation. I, I used to be, ah, no. The problem, it is not that I'm not, I'm saved now, but the problem is that I think I've already destroyed my reputation. I've uh, people know me. I've scattered things already in this world. Uh, people, people already. There's no, there's no club. They don't. In fact, they have a bad reputation. Let me ask the person next to you. Do, did, do you have a bad reputation at all? I'm going to ask Tolo Shinawa to come uh, speak for a couple of minutes on how to deal with a bad reputation, and I'll come. I'll conclude the message. Let's welcome Tolo. So, I think I'm just going to be authentic with you and be vulnerable. Uh, I remember someone telling me, you know how we have Yoruba demons now? I remember someone telling me that I was a Yoruba demon before there were Yoruba demons. Um, 
I've never told P.I. this, but I remember um, when he said, he said, I'd like you to handle Alpha. Um, I remember thinking, one of the things, obviously I didn't think, okay, I'll do it. Can I do it? And one of the things I thought was, what if someone from my past come to shut the church down? Bad guy, no, 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 no. Um, I can tell you a lot more. But today, the kind of experiences I have are people saying, I heard you're a pastor. And I don't know, I'm not a pastor, but, you know. So God can heal your reputation. Um, your reputation is important. So a bad reputation for a Christian is, is relevant. It's not irrelevant. I'm saying this because I don't want anyone to misinterpret what I'm going to say in the, in the next few minutes. Your reputation or your bad reputation is relevant, but it's not the focus. So the first step in dealing with a bad reputation is to realize that your reputation or your bad reputation is fecal. It's at best a guess. Um, if we say reputation is what people think and say about you, at any one point, different people are saying different things about you. Sometimes they're contradictory. At the same time, someone is saying something, someone else is saying something else. Um, times come, times go, seasons come, seasons go. What might be a bad reputation today, tomorrow might not be so bad, depending on what's trending and what's not trending. Reputations are as fickle as human beings are, and human beings are very fickle. We change our minds moment by moment. So the first thing to realize is that your reputation is at best a guess. You have to take a poll to find out what everyone is saying, and even then, it's a guess. You might remember P.I. talked about when they wanted to make Jesus king, and he had to go away. The same people asked for Jesus to be crucified. One minute, they wanted to be king. The other minute, they want him dead. Acts 28 has the account of Paul. Having come, uh, they, they, they come to shore after a really, really difficult journey. They got shipwrecked at the end. And then he was putting wood together. And this, a viper kind of attached itself to him. And everyone looked at him and thought, this guy's cursed, this guy's. And uh, he shook the viper off. They were expecting him to swell up and die or something. Nothing happened. And then suddenly, they're like, this guy must be a god. One minute, he's cursed, probably a murderer. The other minute, he's a god. So your reputation or your bad reputation is fickle. It's at best a guess. Second, Remember, your bad reputation does not define you. What people say about you does not define you. So don't focus on it. If you are spending your time tracking or trying to solve for your, your reputation, then you're, you don't have your focus in the right place. You might want to consider where you're focusing. Jesus came to die for us. And the primary reason wasn't to give us a reputation as such. Um, there are three places you can focus. So if we're not focusing on our reputation, our bad reputation, 
One is to focus on yourself. Right? One is to focus, look down, and focus on yourself based on what you've heard, what you've been told, what you believe about yourself. The other is to focus on what people are saying about you. So you're looking around. And finally, to focus on Jesus. And we are called to focus on Jesus, not to focus on ourselves or on others, but to focus on Jesus. I'd like to read from 2 Corinthians 3.18. If you can put that up for me, please. I'm reading the I'm reading the Amplified. It says, and all of us, as with unveiled face, as because we continue to behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are called as Christians to focus on Jesus, not on our reputation. We are not called to solve for our reputation. We are called to focus on Jesus by our relationship with him. We are called to see more of his love, to see more of him. The twist is, the more you focus on Jesus, what you think about yourself and what people think about you fall in line. So you don't go around saying, I am doing this. You're, you are not driven to action because of your reputation. You are driven because you see Jesus. Because you see his love, you want to stop cheating others. Because you see how blessed you are in Christ. You stop whatever it is you're doing at work, forging the accounts of, you know, you stop doing the things that birth a bad reputation because you see more of him. Our, he's our identity. The Bible says that as he is, so we are in this world. Jesus is our identity and as we look at him, we get changed. However, it's important to know that this is not a guarantee of a perfect reputation. In Matthew 11, 18 and 19, Jesus talks about, he's commenting on his reputation and John's reputation. And he says, John came, essentially saying John came and was somber, if you like. You know, John the Baptist lived out in the wilderness and kind of, you know, and um, they had a problem with him. Jesus came eating and drinking, and they called him a friend of sinners, a drunkard, and what have you. So even Jesus, who's a perfect example, had people say different things about him. So looking onto Jesus aligns our lives, what we think about ourselves and what people think about us. But it's not a guarantee of a perfect reputation. But that doesn't matter. Because we're not solving for our reputation. We're not solving for a bad reputation as such. So I, I need to question. That's why I started saying our reputation is important. It's relevant, even though it's not our focus. So scripture says um, we should not let our good be spoken of um, as evil. Scripture also says we should let our gentleness you know, be known to all. So our reputation is important, but it's not the focus. I'm going to end by reading Matthew 5, 16. It's a popular scripture. 
says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You deal with a bad reputation by letting your light shine. We are called to focus on Jesus. And as we focus on him, his light shines through us. And that melts any reputation that needs to be melted. That aligns what we think about ourselves and aligns what people think about us. Um, I had an, an interesting experience. So I have recently joined the beer gang. And um, I now comb my beard. I never thought that this would happen. When I was young, I remember very clearly, so I remember this. My mom and my dad were arguing about me growing a beard. I was in primary school. And for some reason, my mom said, no, no, no. He probably won't be able to grow a beard because he's like my dad. My dad could never really grow a beard properly. And it stuck with me. So I actually never thought I could grow a respectable beard. Now, people like uh, Bumi Otegra, they can school me in the beard gang uh, world. But people also, Badiko the other day was saying, ah, Tolu, this beard is coming out. And I'm like, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And then I realized, I said, so I get credit, but I didn't do anything. If you instruct someone, a guy, to grow a beard, what does he do? Does he, does he stop eating and focus on growing a beard? No. He lets it grow. So there was something I was doing every week or every other week, which is put a razor to my skin, which was stopping it growing. First thing I did was believe a lie. Second is, I did things that stopped it growing. All I needed to do was let it grow. It was in me. I just needed to let it come out. In the same way, we are to let our light shine. If you have come to Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus into your life, he lives in you. He's the light of the world. You can't carry Jesus and not have light. You just need to let your light so shine. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you to the in conclusion. Um, the question I've been asking myself all week is that am I famous where it matters? When I was growing up, we had these people who we used to call local champions. So a local champion is if you are from Ibadan. So everybody in Ibadan knows you. Inni! <laughs> you know, you just, you don't even, there's no effort. They know you, they know your father, they know your mother, you are but what happens is as Ini takes the drive into the big city of Lagos, she begins to realize maybe I was just a local champion. Maybe, you know, because she's driving down Third Mainland with lots of people. But nobody really knows her. Maybe once in a while, some random Ibadan person in Lagos says, Ah, Ini, how are you? So there's a local champion. And there's somebody who is a star in their country. 
a lot of our politicians are stars in our country. So anywhere they go, oh, I remember that guy was Minister of Budget and Planning, 1985. Oh, we struggle to greet him. And then one day he travels to South Africa. Nobody knows him. But there are people who are known on the continent. Um, Obama is known everywhere he goes. Uh, Ronaldo is a football player. He's known a lot of places. There are music people who are known every, at least a lot of places where they go. I'm known in some places, okay? <laughs> My question is, as we progress from these local champions to the country stars, to the continental giants, and what happens when we leave this terrestrial plane, when we leave the earth? So am I famous in heaven? Am I famous in heaven? No spirit said to the sons of Skivas, look, Paul we know. Jesus we know. But Joe, please tell us, who are you? Um, in Acts chapter 10, a funny conversation that happened. There's a gentleman called Cornelius. They say to Cornelius, look, your prayers and your offerings have done something in heaven. And this, what is happening now, is an account. So, Cornelius, there was something registering in heaven because of the things that he did. In Revelation 3, chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1, you know, says to the church, it says, you have a reputation that you are alive, but look, you are dead. When God has this huge social meeting with people he begins to mention names have you seen my servant Job so does God want me to be famous it's an interesting question because I think it's really about what God wants to do with my life and he wants to make known through the earth the fragrance of his grace. And he will take me places, he will take you places as long as you hide in him. As long as you realize that it is not about you. As long as, like Tolu said, you allow your light to shine. You are faithful in little things. You're faithful in little things. As long as you realize that this is not about me. I'm living my life for Jesus. But what happens when your walk on this earth is over? Are you famous where it really matters? You can't walk with a God like this and not be famous, but will that fame take you away from God? Or will it drive you into him? When names are mentioned in heaven, will our names, shrouded by the mercy and loving kindness of God, find mention there? The song that... Uh, sang earlier about is your name in the book of life it's a really powerful song do I have things that I do that show up where it matters where it matters a friend of mine said to me this story 
how there were missionaries who had gone to a far country, served very diligently for years. And it says, look, they were returning back on a ship to America, I think it was. It says they just happened to be on the same ship with the president of America. As they got near to the shores, it says there was lots of fanfare and music on the shores. I think there was a flicker of hope in their hearts that perhaps it was for them. But I think something corrected very quickly and they realized that it was the military band and all greeting the president. Says the man then went off to pray and said, look, about God, it would have been nice after all these years of service and all the good I do, all the integrity, faithfulness and little things, it would be really cool if this band was if when I walked into the plane somebody recognized me if I was on the page of a newspaper if I was famous it says it would have been nice if when we came home that there was some reception it says Jesus said God said to them the story goes but you're not home yet are you going to be famous where it really matters I hope that tonight or this afternoon, somebody's going to be, you're going to let go of trying to be famous where it doesn't matter. I know you want people to like your pictures on Instagram. I know you, people, you want people to follow you on Twitter. I, I know that when they count people who are important, you want them to mention your name. But the question really is about purpose. It's really about what God has called you to do on the earth. Like I said earlier, there's a strain of fame. It's pure in intent. It's covered by God. It's very targeted. It's not wishy-washy. It's not gotten by underhanded methods like Absalom stealing the hearts of people. It comes from God. It's so powerful that God is bringing to his people. And it's really because he wants to spread forth his love. Help me ask the person next to you again as we close. Are you famous? <laughs> Tell them God wants you to be famous. Would you please take their hands if they don't mind? And let's pray together as a church. If they don't, if they mind, well, hey. Would you pray for that person this afternoon? Would you pray that God more than just making them famous, God will use their lives to achieve his purpose on the earth. Would you pray that God will prepare them for the places that he has prepared for them? That they will develop character that will stand in and out of season. Declare that they will not be blown away. They will not be sidetracked. Declare that they will not treat their small seasons and the small things with disdain declare that when the king calls them just to play music but they will do their very best uh, declare that they, the things, they will do things that will count in eternity, declare that they will be famous where it matters they will be famous before God, they will have a voice of authority in the spirit in the name of our Lord Jesus declare that they will learn how to be available and when to be available and they will learn when not to be available uh, that, that they will not be men pleasers Paul says are we now looking for the approval of men 
declare that they will, uh, because they have the approval of God, that they will not live for the approval of men. I'd like you to please pray. Please pray over the lives of the one whose hands you hold. I pray for them that they will be strong in God and the power of His might. I declare that nothing missing, nothing broken, that they will come in the volume of the books that have been written about, that they will fulfill every single bit of God's plan and agenda for their lives. Pray for them. Why don't you just pray for them? Pray for open doors, open doors. Pray for divine exposure. The Bible says when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will lift us up. Ask for divine lifting, divine lifting over their lives. I declare that in this week they will experience promotions in the name of our Lord Jesus. They will not stand before mere men. They will stand before kings in the name of Jesus. They will stand before kings. The last prayer for this afternoon is very simple. It's one where you commit again to God and what He wants to do with you. Before God will use you for things, He would love to work on you as a person. While He's working on you as a person, He would use you to do things on the earth. There'll be small things, there'll be big things. There'll be small things, there'll be big things. It's a simple prayer of consecration, this. It's you submitting all to God. And I'll ask you to please just talk to God in the next minute or two. And say, Father, I surrender everything to you again. Every single thing. That my life, my past, my present, my future belongs to you. And everything that I am, everything that I am belongs to you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.